If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Lord, we thank you again for allowing us in your presence this evening. Father, I'd like to continue the discussion in Zechariah 14 as well on the purpose, dear Lord, of guiding us to this separation, judgment, understanding, and the work of the 144,000. We're going to be talking about Revelation 14, but not tonight. Tonight, dear Lord, I'm going to focus on Zechariah 14, 3 to 4. Lord, in there, the scriptures is very clear, and, and it'll... I believe when we make this known to the people, they'll understand the way of your words and how Zechariah 14 is written in it. And Lord, I'd like to give them a comparison to these verses, the design of the firmament and your heavens and the, your visit to Mount Sinai and the, and the design of the temple. And I believe that they'll begin to see the tie into these things that they might believe and understand. Lord, it says in Zechariah 14.3 that the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And Lord, in Zechariah 10.4, the way of your four spirits, the way of your four horses that do your battle. Dear Lord, there it says, from him comes the cornerstone. The cornerstone is where the word and the judgment seat sets. And that's that judgment seat that's going to judge the people by the way of the words in John twelve forty eight, And it's going to separate them uh, at this time. And it says, from him comes a tent peg. And that's the words, because you said, dear God, the nail. You said, dear Lord, that in Ecclesiastes twelve eleven it tells us the goads are the words of the one shepherd. And those words of wisdom is what the people are going to be separated by. Dear Lord, the first way. Dear Lord, the cornerstone, you separate them, as you said in Malachi 4, the very first thing that they must do is recognize your plan for the generations, which includes the not taking of life and the bringing people back to the way of peace and a testimony in the house of preaching your words in every household as it's required of them in Deuteronomy 6, 4, 9, and 11, 18, Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21 and Psalms 78, 1 to 8 and the law, as you said in John seventeen seventeen. And Psalms one nineteen one forty two and one sixty. Dear Lord, it goes on and it says, From him comes the battle bow, and from him every ruler together, every workman. See the the battle bow is the way of understanding. And so you're gonna fight in the people in the way of understanding. You're gonna show them in this time that you're testing the people, and in this time that you're gonna judge the people, you're gonna show them the way of your words. And that's how you fight in the day of the battle. Dear Lord, you fight always with your battle bow. You fight with your four spirits. Dear Lord, you're trying to get the people to turn and return to you. So you first fight in the way of the words. And this is how you go to battle. And dear Lord, that first, the fourth one is the workman altogether. Because you send your words out in front of the people. And the people who follow you and believe in your words and hear the promises of God and Believe in them will overcome the world, as it says in Zechariah 1 to 11. 
And Lord, you told them how to prepare for that and how to understand it in in Zechariah. Um, in uh, excuse me, I said Zechariah. I meant Joel two one to eleven, and uh, also in Joel two twelve to twenty. Lord, it goes on here in verse four. It says, and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it to, towards the south. And Lord, that's filled with a lot of statement and a lot of truths, and it's going to take more than just tonight to make it known to the people. But Lord, it's symbolic of what you're doing right now. It's symbolic of the, the Mount of Olives is the Mount of, of Knowledge, the Mount of Oil. And dear Lord, like you said in the in the parable of the ten virgins, the wise virgins and the unwise are going to be split by the oil that they got in their in their uh, lamp. And dear Lord, the oil that's not of you, not of your words, is going to be cast out. It's going to the light's going to go out of that, and they're going to go to the world. And the world is those who go to the north, those who go to the south. Dear Lord, those are the ones, dear God, that have know the way of the double blessing. I believe that's how you're going to do it at this time, Lord. Because you said, Lord, you're going to cause them to pay back double for all they've done. and uh, the, Not the, your people, but you're going to cause the wicked and the complacent to pay back double for all they've done and double for what they're planning to do. And Lord, north is the way of the world. It's also the walls of the firmament. Dear Lord, uh, so it's got a double meaning in here. And dear Lord, also, those, dear God, <clears throat> who go out into the pit are going, dear Lord, in the way of the West. That, that That's what the pit is called, the West. And dear Lord, you said you're going to cause these people to have their backs to the Western Sea and their eyes to their face to the uh, Eastern Sea. And Jerusalem, as I've pointed out, dear Lord, is all those, as you pointed out in Zechariah 14, that Jew, Jerusalem and Judah together will go. Well, Jerusalem is all those, it's representing the Gentiles and Jews who receive your words and set themselves apart from the world by them because they are the foundation of peace. They are of your city. Because all those in John ten thirty two to 37 that receive the word of God are like little gods, meaning they're authorized to be like a little god, being able to have the right of authority to call upon your words. So that's what you're talking about there, and it's going to split them into two parts. But let's look at what you're talking about as a mountain tonight. I'd like to focus on that, Lord, and show and just briefly go through this if I could. The way of the heavens. <clears throat> on the websites in the back page, I've shown the firmament of the heavens. And, Lord, it's very interesting that what you do is always done because you said the entire creation testifies to your ways, I'd like to look this up real quickly in Romans 1, because, dear Lord, it tells us there, and let me pull it up in this, this scripture here. It says, for since, the, the, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's Romans one twenty, And Lord, you tell us very clearly in the scriptures. 
dear Lord, that we are to follow your way. In other words, it says in John fifteen seven, if we follow after you and we abide in your words, that all we desire be done for us. And we certainly want to pass through these judgments at this time. And we certainly want to have eternal life. Anybody who is a wise virgin will want those things. And they will understand that they have to go get it. Because, Lord, you said, knock and the door shall be open. Dear Lord, it doesn't mean complacently stand outside and sort of knock. Lord, it means enter that door. And dear Lord, all those who are zealous will enter that door. And those who will not will be not put in because they they don't have the oil of the words. Because unless you go into the door and sit with you and eat with you in the way of the words, we will not gain the knowledge. And I'd like to show that in the Ten Commandments, the stone uh, tonight, dear Lord, if I could. And I pray that the people will understand what I'm trying to say in regard to that and meditate on it. But dear Lord, here in a firmament, when they look at a picture of the firmament in the heavens, it's on the website in the back page where in time charts. It shows you there very clearly <clears throat> that the first heaven is the world. And as I've explained before, the way of the first heaven is like the way of the first spirit. It separates those by the light. It says he separates the light and darkness. That's what the work of the world is. That's what we're doing here. We are being separated by your words. And those who will not receive your words will ultimately be cast into the prisons of God and out into the darkness. And dear Lord, there's a, if the people go to the back page, they'll also see a cube of truth, which includes not only the heavens, but the entirety of the creation as made known in the scriptures. And the area that's called the deep, between it's it's on the outside of the waters and uh, on uh, inside of the abyss. You're going to empty that someday at the, after the great white throne judgment, so there'll be a total empty expanse there. Because, Lord, what's in the, the deep right now, what they call the deep, the darkness, the, the abyss is called the outer darkness. And what's known in that deep is that's the place of your storehouses of your snow and fire and those kind of things that you're going to bring for punishment upon the people, for testing, for correction, all those things, the ice and so forth. You keep it there and you keep it, you keep refreshing it every day, every morning. And dear Lord, that it's important that people understand that the people are going to be cast out of that and that deep is going to be empty. So it's going to be an empty expanse that no one will cross over again. So those, once they're cast out at the great white throne judgment, can never come back. They will be out there in that area being punished in the way of the words every day because it is how you go to battle and you will battle them forever dear lord they'll have no ability to battle you but your words will punish them 24 7 in torment as you said because they'll be in the body of a worm and the beasts and everything else will eat upon them and spit them out and out of the larva a worm will grow again as you say in the scriptures i've made that known in the writing of testimony of numbers as you showed me but, Lord, I'd like to point out that this is the way the first spirit of the world. And then the second heaven was, was where Satan reigned, but he's now been cast down to earth. He's been cast out of that heaven, and he's down here. And he's here to test us from the day of the Lord, from the beginning of the day of the Lord. So the, the second heaven is now empty, but he has brought his words like a flood down here at the last minute to try to destroy us. He's been working on the words with the, the Crown Trust and all these people for years. Hundreds of years getting ready and through the beast kingdoms up until this point. He's brought him to this very day where he's going to try with a flood of the words that come out of his mouth through his people. 
He has to overcome the people by words because he has to do all things in the way of words. He has to twist God's words to do evil. He cannot speak God's words in the way of God's words. But he can twist words and hide them and do evil things with them because if the people follow that way instead of his way, they, they get judged. That's what it means by they're going to be judged by the words. God's words are the devil's words. The devil's words are the words of man that are twisted and secret and cheating and stealing and so forth that they do with them. And then the third heaven and the second heaven is, of course, symbolic of what words of wisdom we take. That's why it's the second heaven. See, we're progressing towards you. And so it, and then it says the third heaven, the paradise, is where they are now when they've died and you've allowed the paradise to be open for the people. And what happens there? In paradise, these people are being taught the way of the word, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 4. They're gaining understanding so that they can be refined and ready for the event, dear Lord, when you bring them forth to you. Now, the next place is very interesting. The next place is the fourth heaven, which is called the, the capstone or the holy capstone. This is the place where the four living creatures are, and you can see this in Ezekiel 1. And it's very important we understand that. And you'll see it's very interesting how close that this comes to Mount Sinai. And you tell them, the people to come up the mountain, to come up out of the world and come up the mountain. What you're talking about is come to the words. Come to the understanding because they'll get the words and get understanding. That's the way of the, the heavens. The fourth one that's there, the fourth heaven, the capstone, the cornerstone, is where you speak forth the words from. The, the four living creatures are always, always sending out the, the fire, sending out the lightning and so forth. The word of God immediately going out continuously to adjust all things in the heavens and all things on earth to make sure things come forth in their appointed time, adjusted by our sins, adjusted by additional blessings, adjusted by all those things. The four living creatures are continuously watching that. That's why they have four wet, four heads. They're always looking after the ways of the four spirits. Then you have above the heavens, above the firmament, there is the throne of God. And it's very interesting there because what people don't understand is you have like clouds of darkness around you. And dear Lord, I believe they come down to encompass the, the, the capstone. Because those in the firmament can see very clearly above the throne, above the top of the firmament. But dear Lord, you tell us a very interesting story in the scriptures in like Psalms 97, 1 to 3. You tell us the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let, let the islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are a fountain of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. And then in Psalms 18, 10 to 12, again, we see this. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he spread upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his hiding place, his canopy around him. And why you do this and why the dark clouds around you, and, you, and when you came down to Mount Sinai, you again came in the dark clouds. And the reason that is there is because you tell us that your truth reaches under the clouds and all the creation is truth. It's called truth. Psalms 33, 4, all his works are done in truth. What did you do? You made everything. 
So we know that the outer bounds of the whole creation is held together by dark clouds. Because you surround yourself with dark clouds, so the outer darkness, what you call the outer darkness out there, is truly that. It's bounded on the outside by clouds, and it's in the form of a cube because it's truth, and the geometry of truth is a square and a cube. So we know that this is your way, and you don't change your way. That's why the Holy of Holies is a cube. Now, dear Lord, you, you've made it this way so we can understand your ways because we're going to be judged by this. And when we go to Mount Sinai, we see a very similar situation. In Mount Sinai, we, we are seeing that when you had the people at Mount Sinai, you did not allow them to come up. You, they could come up to the edge of the mountain, but they could not touch the mountain itself. And Lord, it's like the world is here. But it, what you did then, you did something very unique. It's like everyone can be in the world, but you limit to those who can go up above that. You choose the ones that can go into paradise. You choose who can be in the second heaven. And you've cast them out of there at this time. Satan and his dominions. But the priests, remember when the people, they couldn't go up, but then you had um, Aaron and his two sons and um, Moses with Aaron and his two sons and Joshua and the 70 elders. You allowed them to come partly up the mountain, but they could not enter that dark cloud. And that's like the people of today. They cannot enter the cornerstone, the capstone of the, of the heavens where your judgment seat of throne sits. Nobody can harm you there. You're going to bring us up into a crystal sea at that point. When you rapture the people, they'll be going there to that cornerstone because that's where the crystal sea is. And dear Lord, they'll, they'll stand on it. I believe that's exactly where they're going is into that cornerstone, that capstone that sits at the top of them. Because why? It's the counsel of the Lord. What are you going to do? You're going to teach us your ways and your laws and your words, and you're going to circumcise our hearts. You're going to seal your words in us. We'll never turn away from you again. From there, because you said, if we will get the words at this time, John 5, 24, we will have everlasting life. And that can't happen unless you seal your words in us and you, and you circumcise our hearts from all darkness. And that's what this is all about, is getting to that point. That's why we are to focus, we are to desire. It's like Jacob being in Levin's territory, but he knew his goal was to come back and start the kingdom. And our goal is to reach that crystal sea in Revelation 15, 1-4. We should understand that you know people are looking for the rapture. We have to get ready so that we can enter in before that, and we're not ready for no rapture. We're not a spotless bride. We have not been separated with the oil that we have to have that's going to stay lit in the night because the sealed judgment's right around the corner on us. And that's what that is respecting of. So you can see that the, the, in a picture here, if you can picture in your mind, the world is likened to the bottom, the base of the mountain. And what it, what it is is that's where the people are, all the people, everyone can be there. But then the priests are the only ones that could go up to the altar. I mean, up to the, the certain level of the mountain. They couldn't enter the dark cloud where God is. God can come to them. The Lord can come down to them, but God will not allow them to come there. 
He's taken people to see that the throne is there and that the scriptures are correct. But they didn't understand the words because it wasn't that time. And they have to ask for the words. They have to understand this. So you can see that issue. So you can see a picture, and I don't know if I'm creating a picture in your mind, but you can see the world is likened to the bottom of the of the Mount Sinai where the people were that they couldn't enter in because you told them that they could not come only to that base. And you told them to guard yourselves from ascending the mountain from even touching its edge in Exodus 19.12, unless you're called. See, we're being called now to come up the mountain. In other words, we're being called to hear the words and receive them because they are open and we're required to receive them when God opens them. Anybody that doesn't receive the words at this time does not want to be a priest before him, as it says in Hosea 4, 4, 6, will be cast out from him. They'll be rejected for that lack of knowledge for not coming up and getting the words. And the temple veil is torn out. I'll tell you how you, you can understand this thing. Because the same picture of Mount Sinai is pictured in the tabernacle. It says, guard yourself from ascending the mountain and from even touching its edge. And then only Moses was allowed to enter the cloud. Because he was the only one that was sealed with the words. Anointed by God to do that, to come and get the message. That's just God's way. He wants us all at this point to come up and be like the priests. Understand the heavens, understand his ways, understand his words. He's calling us to understand his knowledge. He says that we'll reject it for a knowledge of truth and we don't even understand the way of the heavens. We don't understand the way of the seven spirits. We don't understand many things, the words and so forth. We haven't understood that. I've been trying to make it known since 2003 and it's been growing and growing and we've got precious little help to get that done because people didn't want to believe. They didn't want to help. They didn't want to do anything. They'll answer to God. I don't condemn them. I wish they'd turn now and quickly come to the knowledge and help get the message out because all those who bring people back to knowledge of truth will cover a multitude of sins, James 5, 19 to 20, even the sin of complacency of not learning. And we've all been guilty of that. It doesn't matter what you did before. We're in a time like the men of Nineveh. We're coming to the winter season. Remember that the moon sets the seasons and there's four seasons and there's four spirits that are the horses of God. And the fourth one that we're entering into now, the winter season, is the time, it's the time of the workmen. It's the time of the judgment of the workmen. The summertime was the time of the battle bow, the time to harvest the words and get them ready. Get the, you know, fill your quiver with the arrows for the bow. I think that was right. I may have got that wrong. I'm sorry. Let me just look this up again. I don't want to mislead you on that. I believe the the um, the nail was the, was the second one. Yes, I'm sure of that. Excuse me for saying that. I had my mind confused there for a second. Let me just verify it. So I do not miss it. Look at scriptures. Yeah, I'm sorry. Battle bow is the third one, the understanding. He's trying to get us to come to understand. You don't want to go to the second heavens. That's separation of the, the words. You choose God's words. And you want to be like 
in the in the second or third heaven they're being their words are being called out understanding is given that's what paul's talking about in the third heaven in second corinthians 12 1 to 4 we have to come to this they couldn't ascend to the mountain you know the same thing is seen in the temple the people could be in the courtyard and it, even in revelation 11:2 he tells you that in the 42 months the 42 months of the of the time when the two witnesses are going to be his um you know when he's talking about prophecy what he's talking about they're going to be the governors of the earth the vicarious governors they're going to govern the earth because the lord reigns from the seven years of the morning which begins next april he reigns for that whole time i believe his people are taken up in the except for the 144,000 are always with the Lord. But I believe the other people are taken up at the middle of that time, which is the middle of the morning, the 9 a.m. equivalent, which will be three and a half years into the morning. And the other three and a half years, remaining three and a half years of the seven years is when the two witnesses prophesy and govern. I don't know that the, um, the saints will be on the earth at that time. They may be. But I believe in the midst of that, they are taken up. In the middle of the morning, they're taken up. But it could be they're there for the seven years and taken up right at the end. They could be they're here for that time, but I don't think that because the, the courtyard is uh, having all the people in it for 42 months. The Gentiles will trample the court. But that is like the temple. That's like the, the ground before the Mount Sinai. <clears throat> and there's been rabbis taught this about the Mount Sinai. They have, they don't understand the heavens or the mount that the heavens are in the shape of a firmament or they don't and they don't understand the words. So what you see in that is you're seeing that the, the outer courtyard is like the world. And then you see that you have the altars and the sacrifices and I mean uh, where the altar sacrifice and also the washing of, of the, the the water basin and so forth for the washing of the priests. That's like the second heaven. You've got to separate the people by the washing of the water of the word and make the sacrifice to God. In these days, the sacrifice God is looking for is a sacrifice of doing good for others by getting the knowledge of the words, gathering together, stirring up love and good works for each other, and doing good. That's what he's talking about in Revelation 19, 1 to 11, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what they'll be doing. It's, they'll be putting on the righteous acts of the saints, which is the sacrifice God is looking for at this time. He doesn't care about the burnt offerings anymore. He wants that sacrifice. The other sacrifices that will be there are for the, for the people of the world that had the words taken out of them and they can't get them because they went to the plagues and punishment. And they won't be able to get them until they go to paradise, evidently. Okay, let's go on with the, the description of the, the paradise, which is like the um, Holy of Holies. What you're seeing there, the, the cornerstone at the end, I mean, the, the actual ark inside the Holy of Holies is that, but the, the holy place, the place where the showbread and the candelabras, that is likened to paradise. The word is being given. Understanding is being made there. That's very much the same as paradise. And then you go into the Holy of Holies, which is like the cornerstone, the capstone, and the word of God comes out of there. If a priest go in there that's not supposed to be there or he's unholy, he's killed, just like anybody that would have went up with Moses would have been killed. It says that in the scriptures. 
So that is likened to the capstone at the top of the mountain. And then you see above that, there's the, the light of God. And above the tabernacle all the time was the smoke of the fire and at night the cloud of light. So there was always the pillar of fire, night, and the cloud in the day. The cloud was a dark cloud, I'm sorry. And what you see, the cloud and the fire and so forth, you always see this going up. And when they were at Mount Sinai, you saw the same thing. You had the people at the base of the mountain, and then the priests went up so far. And they couldn't go into that thick cloud, but Moses could. And the people saw the smoke and everything ascending from that cloud continuously. Now, <clears throat> so you see that the tabernacle is a picture of that. The temple is the same. It's a picture of this. And understand that the people of Israel rejected to hear the word from God alone. God wanted to teach them. He wanted to make priests out of them. He wanted to write the words in their hearts that they would fear him. But he was testing them. You know, Moses says that the Lord was doing this to test them. He tells you in <clears throat> it's um, Exodus 20 and verse 20. He says, Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. And let me read 18 to 20. It says, now all the people witnessed the thunderings and lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and the people saw it. They trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come up to test you and that his fear may be for you so that you may not sin. But they did not want, <clears throat> they did not want to hear the word directly from God because they're afraid of the word. See, he would have written that word by the spirit. It would have stirred them up. First, they must have the fear of God so that they can learn the way of the words. You know, if you don't believe God has power and authority because it's his words that are the power. And that's what he was showing them. Ecclesiastes 8, 4 says, in the words of the king, the power is found. So he's telling them the words have come. People are going to see this in this day when the Lord is coming with thunder and lightning and all these things. What's that mean? It means the words are coming and boy, you better run because it's going to judge the people. They were to be prepared for this time, but the preachers have not taught his words in any of the churches and the winter season is coming. Take notice that when Moses went, <clears throat> excuse me, when Moses went to, you know, when they came to Mount Sinai, Moses went up to meet God. He came back down. He, he gave him the Ten Commandments that God had given to him. He gave him the laws that God had given to him. He, he had all those. God, had, his spirit was just causing him to remember, and he spoke those forth to the people. And a very interesting thing happened. He read the Ten Commandments to them. Remember? It's right there in, in Exodus 20. You can see it. He read the Ten Commandments to them. But then, in verse 24... You know, he, he was, I mean, before that, he was called up to the mountain. He took the 70 up and then he went on up into the mountain. And it says there at the end of chapter 24, he was up there 40 days and 40 nights. And when he come back down, you know what happened? The people, because he had been gone so long this time, because the first times he was only gone a day or a few days, and he comes back. 
you know, and, and God told them they must sanctify themselves before he comes with his thunder and lightning. Did you notice that? Please understand. The Lord told them they had three days to prepare themselves because he was going to appear and he was going to come down in this thick darkness. The Lord is telling us in this time, we're in the fourth fourth season of the year. We should have been ready. We were to sanctify ourselves by, according to John 17, 17, as the Lord said, tell, he asked the Father, cause them to be sanctified by your truth, which is your word. And he tells us in Joel 2, 12 to 20, that's what we're to do, sanctify the people by his words, make known his words to them. So he's coming to do that. But look at something very interesting. This is a nuance of scripture that's very intriguing. What happens is Moses goes up and he comes back down and and it ends with chapter 24. It says that he was up there 40 days and 40 nights. And you think immediately he's going to talk about the golden calf and throwing down the, the tables. But he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Why? What it goes on next is instead of going directly to the golden calf, which comes many chapters later, Instead, he goes into describing the Ark of the Covenant. That's what's written next. He describes the, the Ark and all the things inside the temple and then the, then the outer temple, a tabernacle. In other words, he starts from the inside out, which if you're even building the temple, you wouldn't do that. You'd start with the outer walls and, you know, cordon it off and all those things and build the house and then you put it in. And that's how they did it, did build it. But that's in Numbers. In the book of Numbers, but in the book of Exodus, it's recording the opposite way. And what it's talking about, the very first thing that they do is they build the place to put the tablets. Now, if he's just given them the tablets and they're written in Exodus 20 and it says he wrote them down, why did God need to make stone tablets? Before he went up to the, to the 40 days and 40 nights, he already had this information. He had written it all down, all the laws he wrote down. So he went up to there and God says he's going to make the tablets. But here's the answer to that. In Exodus twenty four twelve, the Lord said unto Moses, come up to me into the mount and be there. And I will give thee the tables of stone and the law and the commandment, which I have written that they mayest teach them, that thou mayest teach them that you may teach them. See, the tablets, he already had the Ten Commandments. He already told them the Ten Commandments. Now he's going to come down and he's going to have the stone tablets. And then what? this is why this is unique. What God is doing next is he doesn't, you know, he's coming down with the tablets. It doesn't go into the golden calf issue. What it does instead, he comes down and what it records next is, you know, the making of the thing that the tablets go into. The gold box, and then the covenant, I mean, the, um, the ark, and then the table on top of the, the ark, and the cherubim, and all that. He gives all that description. He writes that all down, and then they talk about the golden calf. Because what God is pointing out is this stone tablets that are going to be covered up and put into that ark are there as an authority. They're not read. They already had it written down. The stone, the word of God is like a a fiery stone. And that Ark of the Covenant is there. Record the way of the words. These are the basic ways of 
carrying forth the word of God. But the people don't see this. See, there is a picture of the words themselves, the stone tablets are words. They're symbolic of the words. And God engraved on those. So yes, it's like a constitution, you could say, but it's God's law. This is the basics of the words. Why? He doesn't spell out, well, there's 153 words and here what they are and let's make a list of them and put them in there. That's not how you do it. See, the words are, they are unending because they do all the works and all the works are hidden within them. They're promises of God that they unlock when you speak them and do them and there's so many ways to do them. But the basic 10 for the perfection of the earth is listed in those because that's what that does. The 10 commandments are the ways of perfection of the earth, the ways of perfection of our lives and so on. That's what they're in there for. Those stones are the authority of God for the words to be given to the high priest, to give to the people and so on. They're a testimony that the word of God was given and the authority of those words was put in place according to what those laws were. Remember, he gave the Ten Commandments and he gave them all the laws, the summary of laws right there. What they shouldn't, shouldn't do be a blessing or a curse. And then he does it again in Deuteronomy. He's constantly telling that. But God tore the temple veil when Jesus died in his blood. And we're no longer blocked by that. You know, you have the courtyard and the priests and so forth can only go up to the edge of the temple veil, but they can't go inside. Only the high priest can go in there, just like Moses couldn't go in. And the smoke and stuff is above the tabernacle because God is above the capstone. It's such a picture of the heavens. It's such a picture of the way of his mountain. It's such a picture of what he's calling us to do at this time and that those Tablets have been found in Jerusalem and they deny it. They don't want the world to know that the crown trust and the leaders of, of Israel serve the crown trust and they don't want the knowledge of this truth to be made known. They'll pay a price for hiding it. They'll pay a price for mocking and scoffing God's servant, Ron Wyatt, and discovered them. I fully believe that's true because it all makes sense with the way of the words, where they were found, what they were doing, and what happened to the people that tried to go in and get them, and they died. And he had, they had to call Ron Wyatt over there to pull them out of that cave. And they'll be ready for a, his people. God will reveal it and testify to it. And there's angels guarding it. They're there. The ones that they've created, the false ones they've made, are not of God. The temple they're planning to make is not the one God says to make. We'll make that temple as God is going to arrange it to be done. But see, God used that Ten Commandments. He had to give you the tablets of stone so that you have the authority to teach the people. He is putting his authority. He engraved it. He put his law and gave it to Moses, the lawmaker. See, God is a lawmaker. He's the lawgiver. Let's put it that way. Because he's given him authority and there the high priest can then go in. But it's the authority they've given God for the words to be open in that land as long as the people obey the laws. And finally, it was hidden by Jeremiah and they lost it all and went off to captivity in Babylon. It's time to come out of Babylon. It's fallen. It's time for the words to be reopened, for the temple to stand again, for us to overcome the world. I thank you. I appreciate you and I pray that the Lord will open this and help you understand this. I believe it's quite interesting because, you know, why did, why did Moses do this? Why did God give the tablets when they already had 
Ten Commandments written down. Why? It's all there to testify. And what's it pointing to? It's pointing to the firmaments. And Daniel 12, 2 to 3 tells us that there'll be people that will shine like the firmament forever. What does the firmament do? Genesis 1 tells you in the second day of creation, it is there to separate those who are going up from those who are going down. And then on day four, he put his counsel, the words, the lights into the firmament and then made the sun and the moon. The moon rules, uh, guides the seasons. The moon tells us this is the time of the judgments, the parts of the day, sun rising, because the seal of the word is given in the nighttime at this time. We're going to be sealed with the word forever. It's going to be sealed upon us, written in our hearts. We won't need the night because the Lord will be with us. But all those that go into the prisons of God, they're only going to see darkness, the night. They're going to be, they're going to be punished by the way of the words continuously because the Lord's going to fight them in the way he does battle, the way of the four spirits continues forever. I pray they'd come out before that time that all people will learn and turn. We thank you for your time. We pray that this will be a blessing to you and that there might be something here that you can truly grab a hold of. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.